What's going on, STR Nation? Before we get into this week's episode, I've got something very, very special for you guys. This Wednesday, March 6th at 12 o'clock Eastern, I'm hosting a live webinar with Mike Riley, our Director of Coaching and Operations at STR Secrets. And what we're going to be covering is the number one way that our students are finding and taking down co-hosting deals right now. These are people, this, man, I, I wish I could claim that I discovered this, but it was actually Mike Riley was one of our students that figured out this new method. Uh, we're calling it the UI method, the underserved investor. And it's a way for, for us to target folks that have properties already that are not performing and they're either trying to self-manage or they're working with some of these big box management companies and they're just not getting good results. And our students are coming in and just taking these deals left and right over the last few months. And so I want to share it with you guys because this past week, uh, you may have seen my wife and I welcomed our new baby girl into the world. And it just gave me some flashbacks to seven years ago when my son was born and he was very, very sick. And um, that was the catalyst for me for starting this business. And it lit this fire under me to launch and scale this thing quickly so that I could get out of my job so I could be there with my wife and my son in the hospital. And it made me think back to, all right, if I had to redo this today, how would I do it? And would it be the same? And honestly, it's going to be very different than when I did seven years ago. A lot of those things don't really work anymore, right? And that's one of those things with this industry. It's constantly changing. But this UI method that we're going to cover, it works so good. It's ridiculously good for just cherry picking deals that are going to work for you and add a lot of value to the owners that you're working with. So Again, it's on Wednesday, March 6th at 12 o'clock Eastern. You can go head over to go, that's go.strsecrets.com slash UI. Again, it's go.strsecrets.com slash UI. And I'll see you on the webinar. The more you grow your business, like you just have to keep adding more and more people and you continue to refine your machine so that everybody can follow a consistent process and you continue to deliver a consistent guest experience. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. STR Nation, before we get into this week's episode, I've got some I am so excited to share with you guys. For the last couple of years, we've been recruiting and training virtual assistants for our private mastermind students, and we have now officially opened that up to the public. So if you are looking to hire a virtual assistant for your short-term rental business, then go to strsecrets.com slash VA. And we will recruit, onboard, and train a VA for you. And if they don't save you at least 40 hours a month in admin work, then you don't pay. So I put a crazy guarantee on this because I've been testing this out for the last two years with our Mastermind members. And I'm so confident that it works that if it doesn't randomly work for you, I'm literally going to give your money back. So if you want more info on that offer, head over to strsecrets.com slash VA. And now let's get to this week's episode. All right, what's going on, STR Nation? We are officially bringing back the Tuesdays, or now technically Wednesdays, with Mike and Mike to bring you guys some, some bite-sized coaching on very specific topics that keep coming up in our podcast community Facebook group. And so today, what we're going to be talking about is 
the five mistakes to avoid that both Mike and I have made when you're building your co-hosting business. And so I'm actually going to let you lead it off, Mike, and then we can go from there. I've got the points in front of me, but I know you did uh, a lot of the digging and the researching on some of the most common things. So I'll let you yeah. take it off with the first one and then we'll take it over. Yeah, I had my list and then I also, uh, I asked people in our, in our private mastermind, like what are some of the biggest mistakes? And these are the most common trends. So I think the number one, and this is, they're not in any like specific order. I think it's more about like when you're first starting off, taking a deal anywhere can be a, a big mistake. And so I know you did this and me as well too, is it's like when I first started coasting, I only had one property and I didn't have a clear like picture of where I was going to set my company up really. And, uh, and so I ended up adding five clients in the first six months in four different markets. So I had to build teams in every single market. And just as I, like, as I grew, I found that I was spending way too much time working with the different contractors and working on learning each market too. So it just takes a lot of time. And like, at the end of the day, I started this business and we create these businesses to like make our lives better, right? Make more money and eventually work less, right? And then get the time back to do things that we want to do. So I quickly found out that I was getting in way too many more and I'm still in six different markets right now. So I added another one over the last two years, but the ones who are the most successful, like Chris Petsy, for instance, like he's got a radius just like right around where he lives. I think of like a couple hours and he's got 65 units and he's done that in the last two years. So, um, and I know you had something very similar too. And you've like me have added properties and then dropped properties too. Yeah, I think. And again, I don't want to say that I regret going like really wide. I mean, it all worked out for me in the end. But if we think about if I was going to start over, it would be so much more efficient to take the approach that Chris did. And again, he's local to it. I'm not saying that you need to be local. What I'm saying is, is you need to concentrate on a certain market that you believe in and you feel comfortable with and then become the go-to person in that market. You're going to scale a lot faster and, you know, the point that you brought up, the hardest thing about this business, once you get rolling and you get to some scale, is having the right people on your team. We talk about it all the time. And so when you can build one really rock solid team, you basically built your machine and then you just can funnel more and more properties into it. Like you, I remember I was launching properties in three different markets in the same week. I had some going in Boston, I had some in Dallas, and I had one in Nashville, North Carolina. And I was just flying around the country launching three different properties and we got it done but honestly it was insane and i still had a job so i was taking a few days off from work to go like do like it was just nuts i literally passed kristen at the airport like she finished designing the one in dallas and then i was going to finish the build out like it was just crazy it was absolutely crazy so that's definitely the first one is is pick a market that you're comfortable with and that you are going to enjoy quite frankly and go all in on that market maybe two but like build your foundation around that and then it'll expand much more efficient, right? And I, I love what you said. It doesn't have to be where you live. Like Chris has 65 in his area. Jayla, she has, I think 23 or 24 now. She lives in Santa Barbara, California. She has 23 of them in Stowe, Vermont, literally across three time zones. So you, it doesn't have to, it can literally be across the country, across the world even, um, but she's got a, kick butt team in Stowe and she leads that team very, very efficiently. And then she also has a back office team as well. So, yeah. So 
once you choose the market that you want to be in, part of that process is doing your due diligence on what the regulations are in that market. Okay. So again, this applies if you're going to buy or co-host or arbitrage, whatever. You just really need to understand what the regulations are and make sure that you're playing above board, right? People message me all the time. I had a client yesterday who's like, how do I get around this? Like, I've got this property over here. I know it needs to be owner occupied. How do I get around that? I'm like, you don't, man. Like, I'm not taking that. I'm, I'm not going to run that deal. It's just, and the reason why I say this is one, you just want to operate above board. But two, I got burned pretty early on. Actually, the property in Boston that I was launching with those other two states, after we got it live, it got shut down within a month. And it was crazy frustrating because I had called the city four times to verbally confirm because I couldn't find anything on their website. I was like, so we're good, right? Like there's no regulation, there's no requirements. So like, no, there's nothing right now. Later down the line, I found that that doesn't mean that it's okay. <laughs> so if you're gonna get going in a market, get something documented. And I don't care if it's an email from the town or whatever, but basically a task force showed up and shut it down and I got a call from the, um, the building department and they're like, yeah, there's nothing approved right now, which means that you can't do it, which to me seemed kind of bullshit. But regardless, I had an owner invest 50 grand to furnish this brand new duplex that they had renovated and it got shut down after a month. So that was a tough pill to swallow and a tough conversation that I had to have that I screwed up. So I don't want to see that happen to any of you guys. So just make sure that you are very, very clear on what the regulations are in that market before you start setting up shop and buying properties or co-hosting or whatever, know the rules. Cool. The next one, not setting clear expectations with owners. This is by far one of the biggest mistakes that I people's that I see people making right now. And what I mean, like from the beginning is one being clear with them about what the seasonality looks like for that property, right? We've got a bunch of students in Scottsdale as an example. So if they're launching a property, you know, in their peak season, I don't know, say they're launching something in like February and the owner starts to get a taste of like, wow, this property's killing it. And then they move into their summer, which is their dead season. Cause it's like 120 degrees there. Then the owner's like, what's going on? Like, why aren't we making money? So you want to set clear expectations from the beginning of like, here's what we, you know, think this property is going to do on an annual basis, but you got to understand you're going to, it's going to be feast and famine. So like, we're going to kill it in these months and then it's going to be really, really slow. So you're just going to, you're going to want to budget accordingly and I don't want any surprises. So you really want to over communicate seasonality and set those expectations up front. And then the second piece of that is holding your ground when it comes to what the property needs to look like and what the budget is for the design and furnishing. And I know at the beginning when you're growing, I, I made this mistake. You just want to take a deal because you're, you're scrambling to, to build your business. But if you let the homeowners off the hook and the furnishing looks like crap and the property doesn't show well, you're not doing them any service because it's not going to make the money that they need. So you got to be really clear up front that this is what it needs to look like. I just met with one of my owners yesterday who's adding another property. And this is somebody that's been with me, first co-host client, like been with me for five or six years at this point. And they were one of the ones that I took on at the beginning, great people, but like typical, like long-term rental landlord, like super frugal budgets, all that stuff. And the property didn't 
it killed it at the beginning, but now that it's got more competitive, I'm like, listen, we'll keep going with this and we'll add this unit, but I need you, I'll design it, I'll coordinate the build out, but it has to look like this. Otherwise it's a no-go, like we're not gonna do it. If it doesn't, if you don't, if you're not comfortable putting the money in, that's fine, you can find somebody else, but I'm not gonna do it because you're not gonna make the money and get the returns that you need to make this make sense for you. And I know at the beginning it's terrifying to stand your ground, but you gotta do it because otherwise you're not gonna, you're not doing them any favors. Yeah, and you're not, you're not doing yourself any favors too. Again, like we're in this not to create another job for ourselves. Like we're, we're in this creative business. So if you can document everything from pre-launch, like who's going to be building out the listing, who's going to be building out the furniture, who's going to be speaking and managing the contractors when they're coming in and out, who's going to be hiring the contractors. So ideally you're going to be hiring the contractors, vetting them out. That's hundred percent should be on you, but you need to communicate that with the owner. Cause they may be like, well, should I go find cleaners? Well, you could probably use my friend who's a cleaner because they're friends and I already told them. And, and you may not want to work with that, that cleaner. You may already have your own cleaner. So like you need to spell out exactly what your process is for getting this property up and running. And we have a, uh, a spreadsheet that, that Chris and I created that I think that's like five tabs and it's hundreds of rows long of like, these are all the things that need to be done as a co-host, as a property manager. And these are the things that need to be done for the owner. Like what are their responsibilities going to be? Because they, a lot of the times they don't really know. This is the first short term rental that they've done. So pre-launch, what are the roles and responsibilities? And then what are the expectations post-launch, right? So who's going to be doing the repairs? How much of a budget do you have before you need to get approval for some of the repairs? Like I just had to do a managed, uh, I think it was like an $800 repair, like plumbing repair for one of my clients. Um, and I had to get approval from him because I think my limit's 350. Anything under 350, I'm, I'm cool. Like I can make all my own decisions, hire my own contractors, but anything above that, I got to make sure it's cool with him. And damages too, if things get broken, stolen, that sort of thing, I have a damage protection policy. I let them know that like, hey, anything, you know, under $3,000 that gets damaged or stolen, I have protection for. Um, but then also, like you said, numbers. So this should be in pre-launch, but in pre-launch, you need to be able to spell out on a monthly basis how much you expect them to make. And then afterwards, right, post-launch, payout frequency, what their owner report is going to look like. So you need to be sending them an owner report prior to even working with them and signing a contract. And then like Chris calls this, He's got client support and he's got client success. So client support, that's like little questions about the property. Client success is how is my property performing? And can I get some like macro data on that? Because you don't want clients being like, oh, well, last year we did a hundred grand and this year we're only trending to do 90,000. Why is that? Right. And you need to be able to respond to them accordingly. So one thing that, that Chris does really, really, really well is he has a market report for his clients. So he does a monthly two minute video about, hey, revenue's up, you know, or occupancy's down, um, but revenue's up, RevPal's up, I think is what he did in the, the July report. And just like a macro report of your, of your business and like what's going on. And then you can also tell them, hey, we're going into the shoulder season. So I expect prices to drop a little bit just to maintain, you know, good occupancy and good revenue numbers for you. So 
you're always being proactive with these things instead of reactive. Reactive, it turns into a job. Proactive, you're turning into a business. And then lastly, you want to document all this. Like put it all in an email or in a Google Doc and have it documented so that they have access to it. And so if they have a question in the future, you can reference back to that document and say, hey, as per the document, you get paid out by the 15th of every month, right? So um, this is going to be such a huge game changer for a lot of people. And it's a learning curve. But um, this is really, I think, the difference between growing, you know, six figures in, in six months to six figures in like three years is like having clear expectations with your owners. 100%. 100%. STR Nation, want to know how I gained $817,000 in equity in 19 months using none of my own money? Well, if you haven't already heard me talk about boutique hotels, I just recorded an 18-minute case study for my private mastermind group on how I bought a tiny 13-unit hotel in Rockport and more than doubled its value from 2.25 to 5.5 million in 19 months. But instead of keeping this one a secret, I decided to share it with you guys completely free. Just go to www.strsecrets.com hotels to access the case study. And promise in just 18 minutes, you'll know why boutique hotels are my favorite STR strategy in 2023. I break down everything from the renovations, the location, the investment, the equity, the financing, and how to take advantage of forced appreciation. So when you have 20 minutes, go to www.strsecrets.com hotels. And now let's get into this week's episode. The next one, what are we on? Three or four? I think we're on four. Losing cat. Number four is implementing trust accounting. This business, the accounting for this business can get very complicated very quickly because the challenge is, is take Airbnb as an example. You can set it up to pay out to different accounts or you can set it up to pay out to one account. But if you've got 10 properties in one account, you have to go in and reconcile per reservation. Or if you use a PMS, you can do that. But also if you're getting resolution payouts, Airbnb is just going to send it to your default payout account. So like each month we have to reconcile all these different things. So you really want to hire like a knowledgeable bookkeeper that understands how to do the books for this business. I see so many people just trying to do it on their own in a QuickBooks file. And you can get away with that maybe at the beginning or a couple properties. But as you start to add more and more, like our month end process is quite a task. It's, it's pretty serious, right? And I was a CPA. I'm still a CPA. You know, I've got my license. The accounting is not simple, okay? I ended up building an in-house team for me. I would not recommend that unless you're, you've got some serious accounting background. I would go find a bookkeeper because your time is best spent growing your business, not managing your numbers. So find somebody that knows what they're doing, hand it over, pay them what you need to pay them, and then you're going to know at the end of every month that you've got true numbers. This is huge. So you've got to, this is the not sexy stuff, but this is really important when you're growing your business because if you don't have good numbers one to report to your owners like one that you could run into legal trouble because you got to account for all of their money with trust accounting and two you you don't know if you're profitable or not what properties are more profitable than other properties like what properties maybe do i need to let go what properties should i look for going in the future where are my winners and where are my losers you got to know your numbers when you're running a business. It's huge. It sounds super cliche, but I'm telling you, it's the boring minutia stuff like this that is going to allow you to scale to six and then seven and then eight figures with this business. 
Yeah, hundred percent. This was a uh, this was Steve. So Steve Troger, he I mean he built a, a property management business to what five six hundred properties down in Orlando, and uh, I asked him I was like, so what what are some of the, like the common mistakes that you see most beginners make? And the first thing he asked me is, are you doing trust accounting? And uh, we implemented that probably about a year ago when we were at I don't know fifteen listings, um, and that was way too late. Like we should have done it really when we were at probably like five. I mean, even at the beginning, we should have started it. So anything more than like five, you absolutely need to be doing trust accounting because think about how many transactions there are in just for five properties. So let's say you get five reservations per, uh, that's 25 transactions right there. Then you need to break out those transactions into rental revenue, channel fees, cleaning fees, stripe fees, and then all the expenses that go in with managing that property too. So there can be a lot of like, all right, where does this expense go? Where does this expense go? And so you need to make sure that, and that's what trust accounting solves for. It allows you to run P&Ls like per property. And at the end of the day, the money that's coming in to you that you're taking, like all the revenue that's coming in is not your money. So you need to have a way to look at all those transactions and figure out, all right, this is all the money that's coming in. This is my management fee. And then pay your owners out accordingly because they're going to have questions too. So if you're looking I want to at- clarify people, something real quick, Mike. If you're co-hosting, you need to be doing trust accounting from the beginning. Yeah. What he was saying with five properties is you need at least a bookkeeper, bookkeeper by five. I would just recommend out the gate, find a reputable bookkeeper. Like just hire somebody. It's not going to be super expensive and you're going to need it. So just get somebody out the gate because again, there's a lot of legal ramifications, especially depending on what state you're in. Like you have to be tight with your numbers because again, it, like Mike said, it's not your money. It's somebody else's mind. So I would just hire a bookkeeper out the gate. Like don't ignore this, do it the right way from the beginning, save yourself a bunch of headaches and then it's going to give your owners peace of mind as well. So Anthony asked, is that a software? No, it's not a software. It's a, it's an accounting like methodology, um, yes. accounting practice or bookkeeping practice. So you're looking at anywhere from like 75 to 110 a month per property in that case. And so that's another thing that we teach to charge back to owners. Like you need to be charging a tech fee for your PMS, price labs, that sort of thing. But you also need to be charging a bookkeeping fee. And you don't need to be making money on that fee, right? You can just be your expenses, um, but you need to you need to do it properly. So I recommend just charge that $100 back to the owner every month. It's very, very clean. It's less headaches for you. 100%. 100%. Why don't you bring us home with the last one and then I'll chime in. Yeah. So last one is, uh, is taking too long to document systems and hire. So I hired my first VPM virtual portfolio manager when I was at six listings and I had a baby on the way, like literally the next month. And I remember talking to you, Mike, about it. I was like, hey, I don't want to give away. Like, this is a, this is a pretty big chunk uh, of my profit every month. I don't really want to give that away yet. And you were like, you just need to do it. You need to do it. You need to document all your systems first, which is what we did, and create like my company playbook. And that took, honestly, I mean, probably two weeks to put together all the different business units and all the different SOPs for Sean to be able to come in and, and operate. But we went from six listings to fast forward 12 months, we had 18. So we tripled in 12 months um, just by hiring Sean as like the one person um, to run the portfolio for us. But I see it like all too often people will come in and, and just they'll have 10, 15, 20 listings 
and nobody working with them and they're on this thing like non-stop and everybody says it too i said it everybody says after they hired somebody they say mike that was the best decision that i've made is hiring someone and outsourcing a lot of the day-to-day it's it's one of the hardest things to do at the beginning i had to push you hard like real hard to, to hire that first person, right? And that's common because it's, it's new and it's scary. And you're like, all right, but I'm, I'm going to be losing money now. But if you take a step back and you really think about it and you analyze your time, we talk all the time about doing a two-week time study, you have to figure out what are your highest dollar productive activities, right? So if you're spending, let's just say, I don't know, say it's 20 hours a week on guest communication and coordinating cleanings. If you outsource that to somebody at, I don't know, say seven to 10 bucks an hour. Okay. But that gave you 20 hours back to just prospect and grow your business. The ROI on that is so much higher. It's, it's insanely high, right? So you, you have to take a step back and I know it's hard at the beginning because you're, you're, you're getting super scrappy to come up with as much profit as possible. But the only way to get to that next level is you take that little hit in profit, but then it sets you up for way more growth. Like that's the only way that you can continue to grow and scale. And it's, it, it doesn't stop. Like the more you grow your business, like you just have to keep adding more and more people and you continue to refine your machine so that everybody can follow a consistent process and you continue to deliver a consistent guest experience. But you can't be the solopreneur. You can only go so far with that. And quite frankly, that's not what most people want from this. Like most people that I talk to get into this to get out of their corporate job, make 100, 200 grand and have true time freedom. The only way to have true time freedom is to have good people on your team that can execute. Like that's the only way. I don't care how great your automations are, how tight your SOPs are. If you don't have human beings doing certain things in your business, you don't have a business. You have a job. Like it's, it's that simple, right? I love that you said that because I wrote this down too. If you, if you want to make 10K a month and work five hours a week, your hourly rate is $461 an hour. So really anything less than that, you shouldn't be doing. But it's a, it's a total mindset shift. It was for it me. Is. It still is, man. So um, that's like, honestly, it sounds like cheesy, but that's one of the things there's certain key things that were really hard for me to shift on. And that was one of them. And that's why I like having a coach that pushed me when I was uncomfortable. Like those are the things that really make the difference when you have a coach because they, you know what you need to do, but you're resisting it because you're afraid or it's, it's scary or whatever. That coach just grabs your hand and they kind of pull you along. Just like I did with you for that first VA. I was like, dude, you're doing it. We're going to hire them. I'll help you find them. But you're hiring this person. And you wanted to go part-time, which you did, but they went full-time real quick. And I told you, I'm like, I guarantee you, once you hire this person part-time, you're going to double their hours to go full-time within a month. Yep. And then I added another four hours a day and another 20 hours a week. (laughs) And then I hired another one. Exactly. Uh, Anthony said, how did you find them? So we actually have a, a VPN recruiting service now. So Anthony, if you want to just send me a DM, I can get you all the info on that. But to be honest, I went through five different people before I ended up finding Mark. So Mark ended up becoming my ops manager 
And he was basically number four at Airbnb's call center in the Philippines. And he grew that office to 5,000 Airbnb reps. So now we've basically built a whole recruiting business where Mark goes back and finds all the best people that used to work for him and just offers them a new opportunity through us. So it's kind of an unfair advantage to be totally honest with you, but it's worked very, very well for us. So as we continue to grow, my team just goes out. I'm not even involved anymore. They just go out, find more people. They train them up, plug them into our system, and we keep chugging along. So again, feel free to send me a DM. I can get you all the details on that. Anything else, Mike, that you want to cover? No, I think that's it. I think just to recap, mistake number one was really taking a deal anywhere. Mistake number two was not getting your regulations properly documented for your markets. Number three, not setting clear expectations with your owners and clients. Uh, number four, not implementing trust accounting in your business like right away. And then number five, taking too long to document your systems and hire. Love it. And for the folks that are listening to this uh, on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're at, make sure you join the free podcast community Facebook group. So we live stream these every single week. So these are actually live streamed the Tuesday before these podcasts come out. And uh, every Tuesday, Mike and I also do this live training. A lot of times we'll do, we'll review people's listings. We'll analyze deals with them. We'll answer questions. It's a chance for you to really engage with us and get some FaceTime and ask us your questions directly. Um, so again, it's just, the, I love doing the podcast, but I know it can be challenging to like get your feedback or help you guys out. Um, the listeners of the show that have been with us for years now. So join the Facebook community. It's totally free. Um, you can engage with us directly, ask us your questions directly, and just keep growing your business. So that's it for this week, guys. Hope you have an amazing week, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.